It can be hard to see the challenges that people we work with every day are going through. I'm Holly Robinson-Pete. Join us on The Visibility Gap, a new podcast presented by Cigna Healthcare. Download it wherever you get your podcasts. You know success when you see it. Or you think you do. The people in the spotlight. But what about those small business masterminds who succeed at making their money work harder? They do that by having a business bank account with QuickBooks Money which now earns 5% annual percentage yield. Making your money work as hard as you do, that's how you business differently. Learn more about QuickBooks Money at quickbooks.com slash 5APY. Banking services provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Only funds and envelopes earn APY. APY can change at any time. From Silicon Valley to Wall Street, the promise and perils of artificial intelligence are playing out on the world stage. But what will the next phase of AI adoption look like Which companies from big tech to startups will dominate? And where do the risks and unintended consequences lie? I'm Emily Chang. Join me at Bloomberg Tech in San Francisco, May 9th, to answer many of the industry's burning questions. Alongside SNAP's Evan Spiegel, Xbox president Sarah Bond, OpenAI's Brad Lightcap, top researcher Dr. Fei-Fei Li of Stanford, and many more. More details and just a few tickets left at Bloomberg.com slash TechSF. To my successor, whoever he or she may be. Number one, stay close to the Americans, stick up for the Ukrainians, stick up for freedom and democracy everywhere. Politics in general has taken total leave of its senses. Changing one man at the top of the Tory party won't make any difference. It won't fix the problems. Let's have a fresh start for Britain. Let's have a real change of government. You're listening to Bloomberg UK Politics, your daily guide to the corridors of power. I'm Ewan Potts. And I'm Caroline Hepke. Coming up on today's programme, as the Bank of England warns that we are weeks away from a recession that could last into 2024, we'll get the latest from Bloomberg's Francine Lacroix, who's just had an exclusive interview with the Bank of England's chief economist, Hugh Pill. And it was supposed to be the first big week of voting in the Tory leadership contest. We'll get the data on how the two contenders are doing in the polls with the CEO of Kantar. So Britain slides into crisis, the big squeeze, recession on the way, battened down the hatches. The newspaper headlines this morning make for pretty grim reading for the newspaper customers, the voter up and down the country, but also for the two people seeking to lead Britain from next month. Uh, Let's speak to our guest for the programme, the former Cabinet Minister and Conservative MP for Sutton Coldfield, Andrew Mitchell. Andrew, welcome to the programme. Thanks for being with us. Thank you for inviting me. So the facts, the Bank of England sees inflation hitting 13.3% by October, a jump to more than 6% unemployment, and households will see their incomes drop this year and next year. The Prime Minister and the Chancellor are on holiday. What is going on? Well, this is very serious news that the uh, Governor of the Bank of England has unveiled yesterday. I think not all of it uh, is... Uh, written in in concrete, but certainly all the economic indicators are flashing red. And uh, the concern about this winter, particularly in terms of the cost of living for uh, many of our constituents up and down the country, are pretty grim. So so, um, we need a a grip, we need a fresh start, and I very much hope that uh, we will have a decisive result of the leadership election and so that the next leader of the Conservative Party and the Prime Minister has a mandate to 
uh, take this country forward in these extraordinarily difficult uh, circumstances. And although both the two Conservative candidates are highly credible. Uh, for, for me, uh, Rishi Sunak is the right answer because he has already demonstrated in adverse uh, economic circumstances, in particular, if you remember the very frightening circumstances when the pandemic struck and the speed with which he reacted in terms of the furlough scheme and the other uh, essential mm. protections that were put in place to save jobs and help individual families. I think he's shown through uh, being blooded, if you like, in that experience, that he's now the right man to take over. Do, do you think that Sunak still has a chance to win? Liz Truss's campaign tweeted that it's time to unite. 21 current and former cabinet colleagues are now backing her. It does seem that there is a, a, a coales- coalescing around Liz Truss now, and she does seem to be the clear favourite. Well, I think, I think that, uh, uh, you know, the game's afoot, and both camps obviously will be putting their, their best foot forward. But, um, but uh, I think the, con- the contest is extremely open. I don't think anything is yet uh, set in concrete. Um, and um, I think there's a long way to go before we get to the uh, votes being counted. So I think both candidates are very much in, in play and people are listening. The voting electorate are listening carefully to the uh, two, uh, two campaigns we saw last night on British television uh, the uh, contest uh, in front of a live audience. And mm. I think uh, it's generally accepted that Rishi uh, won last night's exchange. So there's everything to play for for both uh, candidates. But surely Rishi Sunak has to promise much more on the cost of living crisis and an instant emergency budget, um, you know, something that Liz Truss seems to be uh, moving towards, uh, given that this is going to be a very protracted recession as far as economists and the Bank of England see it. Well, I think, I think Rishi has already shown a very clear understanding of the threat to living standards and the very considerable jeopardy that many families will find themselves in, unless the government produces further support. I mean, he's already... But he raised taxes, which which some see as significantly problematic. Well, he raised national insurance very specifically in order to fund the health service. No one is suggesting that the health service doesn't require that extra money. And, And the question is, what is the balance between support for families that are going to be in considerable jeopardy, especially this winter, um, and also the tax requirements for funding Britain's great public services and also increasing the level of defence spending, which which uh, everyone agrees is, is uh, extremely important in the light of what has been happening in Europe and Ukraine. So, so I think that it is his experience uh, at the helm during a very difficult crisis, the steps he then took, which can give people confidence that he is the right person to chart these extremely choppy and difficult economic waters. Now, I appreciate this is a race amongst Tory members, but do you worry about the message it's sending to the wider country, particularly Red Wall voters in the north of the country? Corporate tax cuts, lowering the public sector wage bill in the north, these are not things which are going to appeal to the voters you need at the next election, are they? Well, the critical issue will be how we handle uh, what is an external crisis caused extensively by uh, events outside the United Kingdom. What we do to ensure we help uh, people who are and their families who are faced with this squeeze on incomes and massive expenses. Uh, uh, and, and, and that is how we will be judged. Um, and I think that uh, those issues, whether you're in the red wall seats or 
uh, elsewhere in the United Kingdom, um, they amount to the same thing. And that's why I think people are mm. looking very carefully at what the candidates are saying in respect of both those those uh, two, um, two uh, yeah. very difficult and challenging issues. Um, Andrew, we're going to speak a bit later on uh, on the programme to the CEO of Cantar Public UK. They do a lot of uh, polling um, and they uh, have found that actually a lot of people, almost half of all Brits, think that there should be a general election. And there's a lot of chatter now that actually perhaps, you know, if Liz Truss becomes the next um, Prime Minister, that she could go to the polls sooner in order to try to avoid the kind of 18 months of economic pain. How would you rate the idea? Would you want to see a general election, let's say, called in September, six weeks, quickly get it done? Well, a general election is not going to address the issue of the economic pain over the next 18 months to which you referred. Uh, that is the policy decisions which the next prime minister makes. And, there, you know, there has been some criticism about having a leadership election now, although in my view it was uh, unavoidable. I think there would be far greater criticism if we were to have a general election and the time that that would take, when what is really needed now is a firm grip on the economic situation and an introduction of uh, the right uh, policies to combat that. Now, the UK is suspending much of its overseas uh, aid payments until the new Prime Minister is is in place. Uh, It's hit the the 0.5% of GDP uh, limit. Uh, U.S. Secretary of State for International Development, how how worried are you about about this development? Well, I'm, I'm extremely worried because uh, this is going to hit essential aid, which is basically keeping people alive in the poorest parts of the world. And although we are rightly enormously focused on our own difficulties and the challenges we face in the United Kingdom, uh, we should not remember that uh, no man is an island entire of themselves and our own futures, our own national well-being is uh, intimately connected with what is happening elsewhere in the world. So I very much hope that we will resolve this matter. The the Treasury clearly has to ensure that we live within the budgets which have been agreed by Parliament. But uh, equally, uh, the the result of this decision will be that food is quite literally taken off the plates of starving children. And that's something which no one in the United Kingdom wants to see. Isn't this a problem with with targets for spending defined amounts of money rather than uh, spending uh, rather than spending things for uh, certain things? If you set a, a limit of zero point five percent or zero point seven percent, you are spending up to a target, aren't you? I know a lot of your colleagues are quite critical of that. Well, you have to have a budget, and the beauty of the point seven was it allowed the amount of money to go down and up, depending on the state of the British economy. So it did reflect our economic circumstances. The problem is, of course, that reducing it to 0.5 has been a double hit because that decision was made at the time when the economy had contracted. And so there was a sort of double whammy in in terms of the money that was being provided under the budget. But also, uh, we had the pandemic uh, with... uh, a special and different need. And now we have the war in Ukraine, where the refugee costs are eligible to be funded under that budget. So you've had a double whammy in terms of income into the budget and a double whammy in in terms of spending from that budget. 
Okay, so that uh, on the foreign aid budget. Um, Andrew, we want to return to the energy crisis. Um, of course, the, the issue of, of inflation in Britain is down to the war in Ukraine and the issues around global energy prices going up. But it is also a significant test of resilience for Great Britain, which frankly we failed. And it really points to the idea of sort of long-term planning and delivery for the British economy not being firmly in place. How do we change that? Because I think that for our business-minded audience, it is that that they really want to understand. How does government think a bit more long-term? Well, I think you're you're, you're getting exactly that uh, as a result of this leadership election where both the candidates are being pressed very hard on how they will tackle these problems, what policies they will introduce to address precisely that. Um, And uh, that is an advantage. And I think it's also one which plays to the strength of Rishi Sunak because of the fact that he's been at the helm as Chancellor of the Exchequer for some considerable time now and only recently relinquished uh, that role. So so I think those are exactly the questions which both candidates are seeking to answer. And uh, from uh, my point of view, Uh, It seems to me that uh, Rishi has an advantage uh, because of his experience and because he was blooded in the in this great crisis of the pandemic Mm -hmm. where he he speedily took the right actions, uh, which, thank goodness, have um, have have released a lot of the pain and difficulties which people were feeling economically during the pandemic. You know, it can be hard to see the challenges that people we work with every day are going through. Invisible struggles like stress and burnout, caregiving for a loved one, or being misunderstood. But insight, awareness, and empathy will help us better see the issues they're dealing with. And that can make us and our companies healthier, too. I'm Holly Robinson-Pete. Join us on The Visibility Gap, a new podcast presented by Cigna Healthcare. Download it wherever you get your podcasts. You know success when you see it. Or you think you do. The people in the spotlight, athletes, actors, artists. But what about the people behind the scenes? You know, the ones who make it all happen. The lighting engineers, the sideline photographers, the caterers. They're small business masterminds. And if there's one thing they have in common, it's making their money work harder. That's why they have a business bank account with QuickBooks Money, where they are now earning a generous 5% annual percentage yield. Yes, 5% APY. Making your money work as hard as you do? That's how you business differently. Learn more about QuickBooks Money at quickbooks.com slash 5APY. Banking services provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Only funds and envelopes earn APY. APY can change at any time. Hi, I'm Ron Krzyzewski, Chairman and CEO of Stiefel. Financial Advisors, if you're not growing your practice, you're losing market share. Stiefel is a growing entrepreneurial advisor-centric firm built for successful advisors like you. Imagine having the resources of the largest wirehouses and the support of the boutique shops, but none of the bureaucracy to get in the way of you serving your clients. At Stiefel, it's your business, your book, your clients. I always tell the advisors we're recruiting, I want you to come to Stiefel and double or triple your business. Most of them laugh and shake their heads, but I'm serious. Don't take it from me. Take it from Stiefel's number one finish in J.D. Power's 2023 U.S. Financial Advisor Satisfaction Study. So, there's a reason why 148 financial advisors joined Stiefel last year. Come join us and find out why Stiefel is the firm where success meets success. Visit www.choosestifel.com. Stiefel Nicholas and Company Incorporated, member SIPC and NYSE. 
You know, it can be hard to see the challenges that people we work with every day are going through. Invisible struggles like stress and burnout, caregiving for a loved one, or being misunderstood. But insight, awareness, and empathy will help us better see the issues they're dealing with. And that can make us and our companies healthier too. I'm Holly Robinson-Pete. Join us on The Visibility Gap, a new podcast presented by Cigna Healthcare. Download it wherever you get your podcasts. You know success when you see it. Or you think you do. The people in the spotlight, athletes, actors, artists. But what about the people behind the scenes? You know, the ones who make it all happen. The lighting engineers, the sideline photographers, the caterers. They're small business masterminds. And if there's one thing they have in common, it's making their money work harder. That's why they have a business bank account with QuickBooks Money, where they are now earning a generous 5% annual percentage yield. Yes, 5% APY. Making your money work as hard as you do? That's how you business differently. Learn more about QuickBooks Money at quickbooks.com slash 5APY. Banking services provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Only funds and envelopes earn APY. APY can change at any time. Hi, I'm Ron Krzyzewski, Chairman and CEO of Stiefel. Financial advisors, if you're not growing your practice, you're losing market share. Stiefel is a growing, entrepreneurial, advisor-centric firm built for successful advisors like you. Imagine having the resources of the largest wirehouses and the support of the boutique shops, but none of the bureaucracy to get in the way of you serving your clients. At Stiefel, it's your business, your book, your clients. I always tell the advisors we're recruiting, I want you to come to Stiefel and double or triple your business. Most of them laugh and shake their heads, but I'm serious. Don't take it from me. Take it from Stiefel's number one finish in J.D. Power's 2023 U.S. Financial Advisor Satisfaction Study. So, there's a reason why 148 financial advisors joined Stiefel last year. Come join us and find out why Stiefel is the firm where success meets success. Visit www.choosestifel.com. Stiefel Nicholas and Company Incorporated, member SIPC and NYSE. The Bank of England raised interest rates yesterday, warned of peak inflation at 13.3% in October. People's real disposable incomes expected to fall this year and next year. Joining us now, Bloomberg Editor-at-Large Francine Lacroix and our UK Government and Economy Correspondent Lizzie Burden. Ladies, welcome to the radio studio. Thank you for being with us. Hello. Uh, Fran, um, you've really had a busy morning. You were grilling Hugh Pill on the TV set uh, and you spoke to Andrew Bailey yesterday. Just firstly on this uh, crisis, really biggest crisis, I think, for the UK in 60 years. What did you make of the Bank of England's recession warning? I mean, I think it's a nightmare, frankly. I mean, it's a nightmare for consumers. It's a nightmare for people who have mortgages. It's an absolute nightmare for people on the lowest kind of income. But I think it's also a nightmare for the Bank of England. Mm. Caroline, if you think about what they're saying and what they said on Thursday, was they're predicting five quarters of a recession And in that, they're hiking interest rates. Mm. So you're going to be hit by higher gas prices. You're going to be hit by a higher mortgage. And for me, it's kind of unclear how they get out of this because it was started by as a supply shock. So it's almost, I mean, in historic terms, I don't know whether whether this is when we go back and say, well, that was the time where we realized that it's almost the end of central banks because Mm. they're powerful, but not all that powerful in this kind of scenario. Lizzie, you say you want to come in there? Just, I think that it is going to be gloomy, and I completely agree that consumers are going to be massively squeezed. But if we can try and be slightly optimistic, the only thing I would say is that the bank can't take account of 
unconfirmed fiscal policy. So really the only hope is that whoever's the next Prime Minister had planned to do something in their budget. Liz Truss, of course, says she wants to do tax cuts from day one, although economists are warning that that will add to inflation. Uh, But at the same time, perhaps by being so bleak, the Bank of England's going to raise the chances of a recession by making it a self-fulfilling prophecy. Yeah, I was going to say that, actually, because... uh the Fed often, when they, when, when they speak, they do seem to be kind of talking up the economy and saying things aren't going to be that bad. But we didn't get any of that, did we, from the Bank of England? Uh, and those consumer confidence figures, Lizzie, were pretty... Uh, we have pretty bad consumer confidence figures, haven't we, already? Uh, and the signs, you know, that's likely to get worse. Yeah, my colleague David Goodman actually wrote in June that the UK faced a recession in all but name because of the consumer confidence figures, because the housing market's slowing, because your wage growth is being swallowed by inflation. Mm. Uh, and so the Bank of England is really just rubber stamping what we already knew. You had this technical... Uh, quirk that meant that because we had this bank of england this bank holiday in the second quarter you had an upswing in the third quarter which saved us from two consecutive quarters of negative growth yeah now it's going to hit in the fourth but really nisa the national institute of economic and social research danny blanchflower the ex-monetary policy committee member they're all saying that we're already in a recession. Yeah, but but Fran, um, I think that it is, it is sort of noteworthy. Um, neither the the Bank of England governor nor Pill would be drawn on the government response to the crisis, to the fiscal measures. <laughs> I'll say that's a hot potato. Yeah, of course. <laughs> um, but there are growing expectations now of uh, of an emergency budget, and that could come kind of quite soon. Yes, and this goes back to so I would say two points. First of all, the credibility of the Bank of England, mm. because if you look at the models, they they haven't been right on inflation. Now, many people argue, and I'm probably in that camp, and saying it, it, it would have been impossible to predict. Of course, the war in Ukraine, sure, they could have done 50 basis points sooner, but what does that really give them? Like a six-week advantage uh, to, to the rest of the world. The problem is in forecasting. So what they're doing at the moment, which is also why they're not pre-committing to what they'll do in September. I mean, I tried really hard with you, Pill, and said, yes. right, so it's 50 basis points on the cards. And he says, look, we're, we're going to see how it develops, but it means you're looking at indicators that were backward looking, right? So it's inflation, it's employment, and and so they have to try and forecast, right, in getting it right, but they're kind of always behind the curve. So it's a tricky, it's and, a really tricky situation. And I think fundamentally what I want to understand also is, so we've we've got this odd moment in terms of British politics, this kind of strange gap, this caretaker government, then the Bank of England sort of slams in there with this terrible prediction. Liz Truss still thinks that a recession is kind of avoidable. I mean, what's your take, Fran, on that well, idea? It could. I mean, I think if she throws everything at it, you can have inflation. But this is, so what is, infl- I mean, the mandate on, on tackling inflation is so that an economy doesn't overheat. And this is a problem, is that usually, you know, the, you, they have the levers. So to Ewan's point, I mean, the point in them saying, because it's going to be really awful and ugly out there, is that people stop spending, you don't take too much debt on your credit card. Mm. And so it kind of balances out. But this is external. This is a completely external supply shock. So th- the levers don't really work. Um, I think the numbers don't 100% add up to what Liz Truss was saying, because it will be fueling inflation unless then you reach an agreement with Russia. 
I mean, you yes. know, th- this is All that's why it's, on the war in Ukraine. It's t- it's tough. Yeah. Lizzie, final word from from you as we kind of think about this. And I wonder what, um, you know, the the caretaker prime minister is going to be thinking about all of this. (laughs) Well, you said that Liz Truss says a recession's avoidable. I feel like she's kind of picking up Johnson's baton of boosterism. Mm. And I can really feel that Boris Johnson's on holiday today because there's no positive spin on these numbers. it's just this grim outlook from the grey officials. Uh-huh. Uh, as Fran says, her tax cuts are likely to be inflationary, but maybe they'll boost growth, as she, as Liz Truss claims. I'm interested in what the targeted support she'll give to the poorest households would be yeah. uh, and how much borrowing that would necessitate. Rishi Sunak's kind of tried and tested. You know, we already saw how he responds uh, incrementally when you get more information from when he was chancellor. Um, but... Will there be an early election, I wonder, with Liz Truss, if she wins, or Sunak, mm-hmm. if he wins, going to try and jump in now before the eye of the storm? Or will they wait until uh, the very last minute? It's got to be by January 2025 and then try to look like some sort of economic magician because mm-hmm. finally the inflation's <laughs> come down. Yeah, will they take that risk after <laughs> the last time? My, my, my money is on, is on not. Thank you so much. That's Lizzie Burden, our UK government and economics cor- and economy correspondent and our editor-at-large, Francine Lacroix, fresh from that fantastic interview with uh, Bank of England Chief Economist. Thanks yeah. so much, both. Great to have you both in studio. Thank you for your time. Right, well, speaking of that general election that Lizzie sort of uh, mentioned tantalisingly, Cantor polling has found that there is actually support for an election once the new Conservative Party leader is actually in place. Joining us now, Craig Watkins, CEO of Cantor Public UK, uh, and you were listening into that conversation Craig, thanks for being with us. So, what do no Britons think about going to the polls? You know, if we get it, if we get a new prime minister soon. So, we're seeing a, an, an increase in the number of uh, people who are saying that they think there should be a general election following the announcement of the, the new Conservative Party leader. That's up um, from from last month. It now stands at fifty four percent. Not unsurprisingly, it's it's very high with Labour voters um, at seventy eight percent. But even amongst Tory voters, 38% of them think that there should be a general election. And I think the point around timing of that for the new PM is, is, is critical because if the recession does happen and you have five quarters of, of recession, that's not a great place to be in when you're then looking at an election quite shortly in the future. Mm. Talking of the economy, obviously that's top of people's uh, list of concerns, but how how bad are people feeling about the economy and their, and their household finances? So it's to, to, to use the phrase that we used before, it's not just the kind of the, the, the men in the grey suits. I mean, we are, we are seeing that there is, there is increasing pessimism. So nearly um, seven in 10 people thinking that the economy is doing worse than it was a year ago. We've got uh, half of the, the population telling us that they are, that the economy will be doing worse in a year's time and also seeing increases in people reporting that it is getting harder and harder to meet their monthly budget. That's now six in ten people. Um, that is, is worrying because then where do people turn if they haven't got money for you know, heating and, and mm. food? So then what would they want from an emergency budget? I mean, that's been sort of in the air for some weeks, if not months. Yeah, it's um, and it's it's an interesting that there's an interesting kind of um, uh, I suppose disparity between some of the kind of the real headline policies that the, the candidates 
um, and particularly Liz Truss have been talking about in terms of tax cuts, national in, uh, insurance uh, rise reversed. We, we consistently um, get from people, and increasingly as well, 60% government take the AT off energy bills, which is a recent um, kind of, you know, policy uh, announcement by Rishi Sunak. Over half think fuel duty, petrol, diesel should be cut. Half um, of the people that we spoke to, the government should introduce the windfall tax. And it's a lower number who think this is a, you know, a kind of a tax uh, reduction is what they need at about 40%. So it seems to be very directed at these are the things that I am struggling with. These are the things I need government intervention on. Uh, now, Craig, we're a month away from uh, the announcement of our new prime minister. But what do voters, uh, who, who do voters favour? They, they won't be the ones picking uh, trust or soon. But what, what are voters' opinions on this? So, um, I, I mean, it's split and most people don't know. So nearly half of the people we spoke to say that they don't know who they preferred the new leader to be. Um, it's then split kind of 50-50 between Rishi Sunak and, and Liz Truss. If you then look at what Tory voters are saying, which is a different constituency again from those people who will select the party leader, it's 45% for Liz and 32% for Rishi. So you do see that um, that kind of pattern of, of Liz Truss still being um, ahead. But even amongst Tory voters, a quarter of them don't know who they want. So there is mm. still quite a lot of indecision about who we need to lead us through this crisis. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, well, Craig, thank you so much for your time and for being with us. Still a lot of uncertainty. We're in this yeah, very unusual position of awaiting the next PM. Craig Watkins is CEO of Cantar Public UK, just reflecting the really grim mood amongst Britons who frankly have been probably aware for quite some time of how hard uh, the economic situation is, certainly if you look at the consumer confidence figures. Bloomberg UK Politics. Listen weekdays at noon on DAB Digital Radio in London. You know, it can be hard to see the challenges that people we work with every day are going through. Invisible struggles like stress and burnout, caregiving for a loved one, or being misunderstood. But insight, awareness, and empathy will help us better see the issues they're dealing with. And that can make us and our companies healthier, too. I'm Holly Robinson-Pete. Join us on The Visibility Gap, a new podcast presented by Cigna Healthcare. Download it wherever you get your podcasts. The countdown has begun. From May 14th to 16th, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections, gain unique insights and uncover valuable opportunities in one of the world's most rapidly rising regions. Request your invite for this exclusive event at QatarEconomicForum.com.